All right, Megan. Hi. Hi. <laughs> I haven't seen you in a while. Sorry. Yeah. I'm well, busy. Uh-huh. Um, so today's topic that I've prepared is really short, so this is going to be one of our shortest episodes. And uh, I prepared a topic on cheese idioms and superstitions. Ooh, okay. So what I want you to do, and I'm going to 100% put you on the spot right now, is ask you to list off as many cheese idioms that you know. Cut the cheese. Yes. Something's cheesy. Yes. Say cheese. Uh Uh-huh. I think I might be out. (laughs) That's it? Okay. Um... Oh, uh, the, does a cheese, the moon is made of cheese? Is that an idiom? That's not yeah, a, no, that's, that's one, that's, too, that oh, I have prepared. Okay, okay. So while Megan brainstorms some more idioms, uh, we're going to cut to the intro music and officially welcome you to Curds and Why, a podcast about cheese by me, Rebecca, and me, and Meg, my sister, Megan. <laughs> that's me. I can give you some if you want to sound smarter. The cheese stands alone. Do you want to say that one? No, no. I have to have it. I have to have my own. I don't know. You've got most of the big ones. Well, there are puns on the word Gouda. Uh, just okay. The cheese stands alone. That's my official post-song answer. Of All right, great. Idioms. Uh, well, you got the good, the big ones. Uh, and we're going to have to make a caveat for this episode: is that we're talking about the English language here. A lot of the idioms that I've prepared are specifically British. Um, With some kind of American, because obviously Americans mostly speak English, (laughs) so we get a lot of our idioms from England. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these English idioms, no one uses anymore. Um, Or maybe they still do. If you are a fan of us and you still use these idioms, please email us. I feel like Becky would use these idioms. Yeah, there's some idioms I want to bring back into the uh, English language conversation. I wouldn't, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's start off one that's not actually an idiom. Uh, A turophile. If someone calls you a turophile, is that uh, an insult or a compliment? A turophile? Yeah. I. It sounds bad, but I'm going to say good. A turophile just means a cheese lover. Yeah, that's. I was going to say it's yeah. probably you. Yeah, it's for the Greek word um, for the cheese, tyree. So you just love cheese. So it's neutral, unless eating cheese <laughs> is a negative thing in your group of friends. Um, if you're a group of vegans, I guess could be you could be like oh did you see becky she's such a turophile <laughs> it's like in middle school when people would say your epidermis is showing and people get super offended because epidermis just means skin <laughs> but do people say that in middle school do you not remember people saying that in middle i school? do not remember people saying that in middle school we weren't in the same grade we were not but we went to the same middle school that's true at approximately the same time. Maybe this was just a this was a fancy insult that, you know, just the honors kids I used. think it was just one of my classmates uh, in middle school okay. said it a lot. I've never heard that. Yeah. Okay. So let's start with the most obvious idiom, cut the cheese. Um, so a lot, some cheeses, some especially the ones that have the yeast fermentation, become kind of smelly. You cut them, you release that odor. So cut the cheese, obviously means when you pass gas we all know this becky yes okay just want to make sure uh that we I have the most obvious if there are impressionable children listening to this podcast no they can listen to this this we, is this is an um an all family all ages podcast we, we're not supposed to swear and if we do megan's supposed to edit it out oh am i yeah okay we don't want that explicit label no okay um so have you heard the phrase cheesy 
So something is called cheesy. Yes, it was one of the things that I mentioned. Yeah. Uh, where it means something is bad, right? It usually means something is kind of... No, not necessarily bad. Well, what what, what would you define I mean, it, cheesy as? It's like... Something is over the top and dramatic in a way that it doesn't really need to be, or just too much. I would say it's more like too, too much versus... Uh, bad like it's not bad so it could kind of campy a little bit yeah it can be yeah um so it used to be when something was called cheesy that was actually a, a good thing it used to be me really? really important or of high quality because cheese was the food or good cheese was the food that rich people ate oh so um eventually that word quickly became sarcastic and no one's really quite sure why which brings us to probably the most confusing idiom and the one that most people think of when they think of cheese idiom, which is the big cheese, selling some, calling someone the big cheese. Oh. Um, that means someone who's kind of important, but it's a little irreverent, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that personalized boss, like the big cheese. And then you say a bunch of other things that sound like you're making fun of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one, it, it's sort of, it's confusing about where it came about. Um, in the 19th century England, cheese didn't have to be big. Um, so cheese by itself, you call something cheesy, that would be a compliment. But in the early 19th century London, um, there was this phrase called the real thing in the English phrase. And, um, when England came and colonized India, there's a word that means thing in India called chiz, which sounds very similar <laughs> to cheese. Uh-huh. I probably pronounced that really badly. I'm sorry to any. Also sounds similar to something else, but this is a family-friendly podcast. Yeah, Megan, this so is I a family-friendly podcast. We're not going to put that explicit label well, on this okay, episode. I'm sorry. Um, so the, because they kind of combined the Indian word for thing, chiz, um, they call it the real chiz. So that kind of morphs into the real cheese. And the thought was the big cheese was sort of our sarcastic thing, like the big thing. Um, an alternate theory is that it had to do with sort of the publicity sense of the early 20th century, where people would just create huge cheeses. You know how, like, every once in a while you'll see in your Facebook news feed that someone's created the biggest pizza, or the biggest hamburger, or the biggest or like hot dog? Or like birthday party. I do indeed remember such a pizza. Do they ever end up making a really big pizza? I think they did. That was the subplot of that episode. The subplot of that episode was that they ended up making, or they pivoted to a bunch of smaller pizzas, like a pizza doily. But then, in one of the shots at the end of the episode, there's a giant pizza. I know too much about Gilmore Girls. I'll stop talking now. This is not what this pod, this is not the Gilmore Guys podcast. Okay. Um, so people would make just really big stunt cheeses. Thomas Jefferson, our third president. Thomas Jefferson made cheese. <laughs> no, he was presented with a huge cheese as oh. a publicity stunt, and that was well before the 19th century, though. Uh, so people aren't really quite sure where that word comes from. The thing that gets cited the most, if you look it up, is, is the, uh, the Hindi word chiz, which means thing. Hmm. So you call someone the big cheese, that's what you're part of the big tradition of. Hmm. Um, have you ever heard the phrase, cheese it, the coppers are coming? No, I have <laughs> not. I'm not British. We should get a British friend on this show. Do you know any British people? I know tons of British people. I lived in Britain for for a Well, they would have been good for this episode for someone who speaks Hindi because it could have clarified the whole chiz thing. I probably know somebody that speaks Hindi. Yeah. Well, why don't you ask them and then report back to me and we won't record it. And so people who are listening to this podcast and don't physically know us 
That sounded weird. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, they'll, they'll never find out. Okay. okay. Um, so basically, the, the cheese-it means to cease it. That's cheese-it comes from cease-it, sort of Cockney slang. Mm-hmm. And cease-it means stop what you're doing. You've got to run. Mm-hmm. You're going to get it. You're going to get arrested. Mm-hmm. You're going to get arrested by the coppers. Mm-hmm. Um, also, another phrase that people might use with cheese is cheese your patter. So, like, cease your patter. Going back to cheese-its, which is a great snack. Yeah. Uh, that has a whole new meaning for that snack now. I mean, I think the Cheez-It refers to the fact that cheese is one of the main ingredients in Cheez-Its. Oh, I know, but, like, you just can't stop eating it, so it's like, Cheez-It! Cheez-It with the Cheez-Its, man! (laughs) Yeah, okay. So next time someone eats Cheez-Its, just yell at them until they stop. Yep. Okay. Um, have you ever heard of the phrase browned off? Someone's browned off or, like... That sounds disgusting. No, it's not that gross. Um, so browned off comes from the original phrase cheesed off. So cheesed off. Do you know the phrase cheesed off when someone says they're cheesed off at somebody? Oh, they're mad. Yeah. So that comes from browned off. And browned off had to do with being um, disgusted or fed up with something. And that originated in the Royal Air Force in World War One in England um, when they were referring to rusted metal. So your planes would get browned off. That got transferred to cheese doff, oh. and now that phrase cheese doff uh, entered our. How did it get from rust to cheese? Uh, it reminded some people of browned cheese when you heat it, oh. like when you toast cheese oh, on a bread, like that goopy layer over the queso. What queso are you eating that know. it's turned brown? Well, I bet. You should stop eating that queso. Bad queso. Okay. Um. Some. One thing you mentioned was the moon is made of green cheese. I didn't say green. Oh, the moon is made of cheese. Is it green? Originally, the phrase was the moon is made of green cheese. Why green? So you, you want to know, did people ever really think the moon was made of cheese? Was there some part of history where people thought the moon was made of cheese? Did they? No. They didn't. It, the moon is made of cheese, or no, originally it was the moon is made of green cheese, referred to the fact that The moon is pale white, Mm -hmm. and green cheese means cheese that is unaged. So a fresh cheese would also be called a green cheese. You know how oh green as in fresh as in exactly not as in like the color. So the phrase "the moon is made of green cheese" just refers to the fact that it has a pale color that's very similar to cheese. At no point in history did people ever actually think the moon was made of cheese. I'm sure somebody thought the moon was. I'm sure one isolated person (laughs) thought the moon was made of cheese, but as a culture, we never had that particular. Astro astronomological astronomological <laughs> astronomological astrological yeah there you go that's Ast- the word you're astrological for? theory okay yes okay um, have you ever heard the phrase cheese <laughs> uh, can you elaborate please <laughs> cheese exclamation mark that's what's written in my notes no okay I've never heard that phrase well do you have you ever heard the phrase jeez like jeeves the Jeez, like Jesus. Oh, Jeez. So it went Jesus, but people didn't want to take the Lord's name in vain. Jeez. So he said Jeez, and then it came to cheese. Because cheese is like, you know, something you can swear in front of your <laughs> religious grandma. Oh, cheese it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, dang it. Cheese. <laughs> cheese, darn it. Yes. Um, that's such a cute swear. It is a cute swear. It is something that's all, all ages appropriate. All religions appropriate, too. Okay. Have you heard the phrase chalk and cheese? We don't really use it in so chalk much in America. Chalk and cheese? 
Chalk and cheese. Chalk and cheese. Those two things are as different as chalk and cheese. Oh, no, I've never heard of that. It's very British. It we, sounds very British. Yeah, we don't really use that phrase in America. Um, what it has to do with the fact is there was a time when the cheese market was booming in England. And um, some unscrupulous people who did not have an NFDA or any type of regulatory body <laughs> to prevent food fraud uh, would food fraud. put chalk and they'd cover it in cheese so your cheese would inside be full of chalk. Oh, ew. Because on the surface, they look kind of the same, mm -hmm. but when you bite into it or cut into it, obviously, it's very different. Um, so what chalk and cheese refers to is when two things seem superficially similar, but are in reality, they couldn't be more different. That's what you're referring That's to. That's a great phrase. Yes, it is, isn't it? You should bring that phrase back. I mean, they use it in England. They do. I've read it in a couple books. Really? I've never heard anyone use it in person. Neither have I. But I, I honestly think we should bring it back. Okay. In our friend group. All right, we're trying that right now. Okay. Um, another phrase that we don't use ever is hard cheese. If you say something, well, that's hard cheese, old buddy. Old pal. Old pal. Old buddy, you got pit, some pit. hard cheese. Yeah. Like, that's a hard life, hard situation? Yeah, like, Bad that's situation. tough luck, yeah. basically. Um, because hard cheese was used to be thought of as indigestible. Oh. So, like, if you accidentally got a hard cheese that had dried out, then that was tough luck. That's hard cheese. I think that's a phrase we should also bring back. Really wish we had a British person on the show. I know, to, like, it'd be really be like, helpful. We don't say that. Uh, we should also get people who speak other languages or from different cultures to tell us their cheese idioms. Yeah. Okay, so that's all the basic cheese idioms. Let's talk about a little bit more of an involved story, and that is say cheese. Oh. So why, when you take a photograph of someone, do you say cheese? I always thought it's because it makes you create an artificial smile but, but you're gonna tell me that that's wrong no that's right oh okay but it's more more complicated than that um so cameras or uh photography was invented in the late 19th century i believe um i have it written in my notes let me check yeah okay the first uh photo studio was established in london in 1841 so in the 19th century we start having the development of photography and one of the things about photography is that it takes a really long time for exposure, right? Um, you have to have the people sitting in the same position for a long period of time. And therefore, if they smile, they have to hold that expression for several minutes at a time. And I don't know if you've ever tried to hold your smile for a really long time, but it starts to hurt after a while, mm -hmm. which is why everyone seemed to have a very serious expression in those photographies. Mm -hmm. um, but another thing was that at the time, smiling was unfashionable. It was the characteristic of peasants, drunkards, children, and halfwits. And it suggested that you had a low class or some sort of mental deficiency. Oh, dang. So it was more beautiful to have a small mouth. So you smile like this. That smoldering look was just really in fashion. It, it wasn't even like you're smiling with your eyes. We're doing all this visual stuff right now that you can't see. <laughs> but it'd be more like... That's a that's not a pleasant face. No, um, and what instead of saying cheese, photographers would say say prunes. <laughs> prunes. <laughs> so you'd say prunes, prunes. <laughs> and they would take your photo your photograph. Say prunes. Yes. Seriously. Uh huh. Oh no. 
Um, so the question is, what changed? Why did we go from saying prunes to saying cheese? Because smiling became in fashion. Yes, and how did that happen? Because a famous person started smiling a lot. The queen. Well, not the, the queen, princess. but you're super close. The, it was it was a head of state. It was an the, American head of state. Uh, first lady. Uh, American he- uh, some president. Yeah. President. Theodore Roosevelt. Theodore Roosevelt. <laughs> Gave advice to a politician that the best way to get people to like you was to smile a lot. <laughs> but there was really an important uh, innovation that needed to happen before smiling could become the... <laughs> There's an innovation necessary. <laughs> there were some smiling. innovations necessary for smiling to become po- popular. Can you guess what that innovation would be? The camera to be shorter. Well, that too, but most importantly, dentistry. Oh, dentistry. Because uh, back then people were eating a lot of sugar. Actually, less now than today. <laughs> but um, they didn't have any like fluoride or anything to keep their teeth happy. Uh-huh. So uh, they... Everyone had rotting teeth, basically. Uh Brown and rotting teeth. So in order for smiling to become popular, you had to have teeth that look good. Uh So once the dentists uh, figured their stuff out, um, more and more people smiled. Uh, It became popularized by politicians like Roosevelt. Um, I'm sorry, it's not Theodore Roosevelt. It's the wrong Roosevelt. It's FDR. Uh, That makes more sense. Yeah. Franklin Delano Roosevelt gave advice to a politician to say cheese when fo- when when being photographed. Oh, okay. Photographed? Yes. I don't. Becky has a limited grasp of the English language, which is a problem because I don't know any others. <laughs> oh, movie stars were another important um, smiling enthusiast. Enthusiast. <laughs> smiling advocates. So, like, they would take. Uh, photographs of movie stars and politicians. They would become really popular around the country and more people would smile. Nowadays, when the whole say cheese thing gets associated with photography, no one actually says cheese, right? Someone, the person taking the the photo... Some people say cheese. 90% of the time. Some people say cheese. Some people just say nothing. (laughs) Um, most of the time, the person who says say cheese is the person taking the picture, and everyone else just smiles in response. Like, no yes. one actually says cheese. Right. The little kids usually do. I feel like they might have said cheese at the beginning of this phrase being used. Now we all know what it means, so we don't have to say it. Right. So now it's just synonymous with, I'm going to take your picture now. Yeah. But a lot faster to say. It's easier to say say cheese than, I'm going to take your picture now. <laughs> Smile. That's true. Yeah. Um, but of course, this is a true in America and England, we say cheese. Do you want to know what they say in different uh, countries? Yes. So in uh, Bulgaria, they say zili, which means cabbage. <laughs> in Colombia and other Latin American countries, they say whiskey. Ooh, I like that one. In France, oh, I don't know how to speak French. I told you I can't speak English and I can't speak French. Um, hold on, I'm going to touch the table, Megan. Oistity? Nope, that's let, not let right. Me see, let me see. It means marmoset. I can't speak French either. Oistity. Oistity? I don't know. I don't speak French. You speak French. Please tell us how to pronounce that. It just means marmoset, though. What is marmoset? It's a type of small rat. Oh. Isn't it like a, a monkey? Oh, it's a rodent. It's a, no, it's a monkey. It's a monkey? I think it's a monkey. I, thought, I said rat initially. So either a monkey or a rodent. Or a rat. I think it's a small monkey. Small... Rat like monkey. Animal. Okay. Yeah. Um, oftentimes in other countries, they just say that that country's word for cheese. So even if oh, cheese uh, may not 
elongate your mouth like this, they still say the word cheese because it originated in America, <laughs> oh, this funny. phrase. Was it an American phrase or a British phrase? It was an American phrase. Oh, cool. Yeah, we can actually say that this phrase is American as opposed to the rest we've talked about, which are British. Good job, America. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I roll from Becky. So the, the last phrase I want to talk about is the cheese stands alone, uh-huh. which isn't a phrase people really use. Um, it mostly refers to the Farmer in the Dell song, which is like this dance farmer song. The, Dell, the Farmer in the Dell, hi-ho the dairy-o, the Farmer in the Dell. The cheese yeah. stands alone, the cheese stands alone. I don't know <laughs> if that's actually how the song goes. Yeah, yeah, that's, hi-ho the dairy-o, that's correct. the cheese stands alone. So it's it's this game where you start with a bunch of kids in a in like a circle, and the first person is the farmer, and they choose a wife, so they pick one of the kids they in the group. So and then the wife chooses Now, a- child, you must choose a wife. <laughs> Um, next the child, the wife chooses a nurse, then the nurse, um, picks each of the different animals, so that they're, like, the dog, the cat, the rat. So somebody chooses a wife who chooses a nurse who chooses the animals? Yes. What is this game? It should be a child. Oh, it is a child. So it goes, farmer, then wife, then child, then nurse, then the nurse picks the animals. (laughs) That makes total sense. (laughs) And the very last animal is the rat, and then the rat chooses the cheese. And the cheese is basically the last person chosen. Oh, the che- okay. So everyone else is, like, circled around them, and the cheese is in the middle so alone. The, that's the cheese stands alone. I don't... I, I tried looking into this game. I don't think there's a winner, but I think there is a loser, and the loser is the cheese. Yeah. That sounds right. Like getting picked last you for get a dodgeball. last, yes. But maybe it's a good thing, because then the cheese gets to be the farmer the next round. How is this a game? I don't know. This is a weird game. It's a do song? you just sing the song while you do it? Yeah, it's sort of like um, Ring Around the Rosie, I think, which is about the plague. The farmer picks a wife, the farmer picks a wife. I should look up the lyrics to this song. Hi-ho, the dario, the farmer picks a wife. Well, the good thing is that we don't have to pay any subsidies for the song. Because it's in the common... Yeah, it's a pretty old uh, song. Common license? We say that, we're going to get sued next week for our non-profit podcast yeah, that we is, do. Someone is going to sue, sue us. us. for all this money we all have. The, look at all this money we have. Just rolling around in cheese. We don't even eating any no, cheese we're today. We're not even eating any cheese today. Um, so that's all the idioms that I was able to, to look up as far as uh, cheese idioms. Some of them, of course, are not very common. They're very old and they're very British. Um, so... If you know any other, please tell us, and we'll include you on a the end of whatever episode next, which will probably be about monks. So the, I wanted to end with cheese superstitions. Okay. Um, I couldn't find a lot, but I did kind of want to talk about tyromancy. <laughs> sounds sounds like romancing oh, some cheese, oh, right? Baby. Yeah. Uh, and actually refers to fortune telling with cheese. Ooh. So, um, I don't really know how prevalent this practice was, uh, if anyone ever really practiced it, but I found a couple websites that talked about tyromancy, and, um, basically any way you could use cheese, you could use it to figure out something about the future. A lot of times, people would study the shape and the holes and the mold that would grow on your cheese to try to figure out the future, but I feel like that's sort of like, what future do I want? to have and let's make that mold into the shape of that thing you know what i mean like that's how all fortune telling (laughs) works becky 
Yeah, I know, but somehow it seems even more... So it's like tea leaves, but for cheese. It's exactly like that. Another thing you could do is you could put um, the name of the, the guy you wanted to marry. <laughs> so you have two suitors, right? And you uh-huh. don't know which one to marry. Uh-huh. So you put the name of your suitors in a block of cheese, two different blocks of cheese, and then you put it... Um, you can either put it in a cage with a mouse or a cage with a rat <laughs> and see whichever one the rat eats first, and that's the person you're supposed to marry, or you put them out on a shelf and whichever one grows mold first is the one you're supposed to marry. Man, that, that guy's so moldy, you gotta marry him. You want a man who's... Ripe with bacteria. <laughs> um, uh. Another thing you could do is you could try to figure out patterns in the coagulation of your curds when you're in the process of making cheese. Sounds like a much more advanced version of fortune telling. Because you also have to know how to make cheese. Yeah, so it would be the cheese maids doing it. The dairy, dairy maids. Hmm. The, the ladies who made the cheese. Because it was mostly ladies. And I'll talk about that when we get to gender in cheese. Ooh. Which is an episode I've prepared about how women, how cheese making, well, not feminist, but it's definitely a feminine art. Let's put it that way. Hmm. So um, the last thing I want to talk about today is something called a groaning cheese. And this one's my favorite. So when a woman goes into labor, okay, her husband would go out and get some cheese. Okay. And the, when that baby is born, um, the pieces of the cheese were cut up and distributed to everyone in the room. Because, you know, that you just have your baby in your, like, shack in the middle of nowhere. Uh-huh. And the entire village would gather to, like, listen to you scream. I really don't know. <laughs> Um, it's supposed to symbolize luck. So the father distributes the cheese. Um, and if the father cuts himself while he's distributing the cheese, that baby's going to die. Oh, no. Yeah, so you need to make sure your knife is dull, I guess. Oh. Or just be really careful with your cheese. Uh, the middle was cut first, so it would form a hollow ring. And the idea is that during the baby's baptism, they would just pass it through the, the, the roll, the huge stack of cheese. They'd pass the baby through the cheese? Yes. It was that big a cheese? You get a really big thing of cheese. Oh, I was expecting like a little no, block like a big from cheese. Safeway. Like a huge Gouda. You'd pass the baby through the cheese. Mm-hmm. Just like a, just a chuck a football through a... Okay. I uh, hope you're more careful with your babies when you have them, Megan. Which will not be for a very long time. Um, and basically it symbolizes good luck. And then um, the groaning cheese, usually the first piece would be given to the midwife because she deserves it. She did all this hard work. She's worth it. I don't know why the mother wouldn't be getting the cheese. that's a good question. Um, And then the groaning cheese pieces would be given to the midwife, and she would put them in her apron, um, which would cause the young women, the unmarried young women of the house, to dream of their future lovers. Or future husband, I guess. Oh. Because you're not supposed to have multiple men back then probably not um so basically this cheese is a symbol of good luck and i think it's better than the tradition of giving you know out cigars when a baby is born (laughs) because it it's um it's more delicious (laughs) and it involves everyone like you can't give a cigar to a a 10 year old but you can give him a piece of cheese that is true so um whenever if anyone's listening to this and about to have a baby bring a big block of cheese i'm sure that everyone will love that that baby right through that block of cheese uh, so that's all I have prepared today for cheese idioms and superstitions. If you have any cheese idiom, idioms that I didn't cover or are in a language I don't know, please email us. What's our email address? Curdsandy at gmail.com. I don't know why I didn't remember that. 
curds Twitter and handle is curds and wine because no one has thought of this name before. Crazy. Yeah. Oh, or tweet at us at curds and y at twitter.com. <laughs> That's not how Twitter works, but okay. I don't know. I never use Twitter. Um, uh, yeah. Thank you for listening to us. Have a happy cheese day. Mm-hmm.